0: today on the Tearsheet Podcast.
1: So if you look at the statistics in the U.S. especially, uh, a lot of people have heard the stat that, you know, 40% of people can't come up with $400 in an emergency. So you've got a lot of people in the country who uh, struggle to save. And so if something bad happens, they're in a pretty tough spot. At the same time, uh, people spend on average $640 per year per household on lottery tickets, which is a horrible gamble. You lose 60 to 70 percent of the money you put in on average. And so there's a lot of overlap between these two groups, people playing the lottery and people who struggle to save. And so we're trying to bring the instant gratification that the lottery provides to saving in order to help incentivize people to save, if that makes sense.
0: Hey, this is Zach Miller, Sheets Editor-in-Chief. I wanted to tell you about our upcoming Convergence Conference. Banks and top fintechs are both headed in the same direction. They're building products and services to handle an increasing share of their customers' needs. Whether a firm started as a bank or a personal finance app, we're all headed in the same direction. Tearsheet's Convergence Conference explores this trend. With senior speakers from Chase, Citizens, American Express, KeyBank, Anchorage, and more. Go to the Tearsheet website and click Conferences for more information. The Convergence Conference is sponsored by Publicis Sapien. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. As humans, we're just not wired to save money well. And over the years, creative financial institutions have figured out ways to incentivize savings with chances to win money. Prize-linked savings has been a mainstay in the UK and is actually the largest form of savings. In the US, challenger bank Yoda offers periodic chances for its customers to win money prizes. The more you save, the more chances you have to win. Yada's co-founder and CEO, Adam Mollis, joins me on the podcast to talk about the game mechanics of prize-linked savings and how Yada uses this model to differentiate itself from the competition. We discuss some of the viral components that the firm's built and how it acquires new customers. We also look out into the future for the firm's product and expansion plans. Adam Mollis is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast.
1: Hey, I'm Adam. I'm a co-founder of Yada, which is a neobank that makes saving money fun. So instead of giving people a tiny amount of interest on their savings, like in a traditional savings account, with Yada, you save money and get the chance to win prizes every week through a sweepstakes.
0: That's interesting. And, and does that play into, I guess, human nature and behavior around, I guess, our, how challenging it is for us to, to save?
1: Yeah, exactly. So if you look at the statistics in the U.S. especially – uh, a lot of people have heard the stat that you know 40% of people can't come up with $400 in an emergency. So you've got a lot of people in the country who uh, struggle to save. And so if something bad happens, they're in a pretty tough spot. At the same time, uh, people spend on average $640 per year per household on lottery tickets, which is a horrible gamble. You lose 60 to 70% of the money you put in on average. And so there's a lot of overlap between these two groups, people playing the lottery and people who struggle to save. And so we're trying to bring the instant gratification that the lottery provides to saving in order to help incentivize people to save, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And, and, and what is the psychology, I guess, behind why, why some type of like sweepstakes or lottery is, is appealing to people?
1: So fundamentally, it's the it's the possibility of winning something meaningful that could change your life in an instant. So with the lottery, people not to say, and I don't think it's an irrational decision. People spend you know ten bucks a week, whatever it is, and they get entertainment value out of it. And the entertainment value is that for that week, they can dream and hope. Like I have a chance to to win a life changing amount of money, get myself out of a tough financial situation. Um, and so that hope and excitement provides that instant gratification that is fun for people. Um, saving is, is very different where, you know, you're getting a tiny interest rate from your bank, even if you're, if you're getting one at all, and it's something that pays off only after, uh, you, you realize you should have been doing it. Right. So you save for 12 months, no, no emergency happens, whatever you're like, oh, well, I got, you know, got nothing out of that. Um, and yes, eventually something you know you might need a you might have a hospital bill you might need the money for something but by that point it's too late like you you, should, you need to build that habit earlier, and so people are generally not good at doing things that are that are that pay off in the long run but are difficult in the short run.
0: And is this? I mean, this is different than you know opening up a bank account. Um, when I was a kid, you know, you got a toaster or whatever, right? This is there's a game component here, right?
1: Yeah. So the way it works is, um, for every twenty-five dollars you save, you get a ticket. A ticket feels it feels a lot like a lottery ticket. It's really a sweepstakes on the back end. So each ticket you pick numbers, and every week we reveal winning numbers, and you can win prizes anywhere from the lowest is ten cents, but the highest is this ten million dollar jackpot, which is what and it escalates in between. So second top prize is a Tesla. There's a ten thousand dollar prize, and so. There is that jackpot, and while it's not the same as the lottery, right, the lottery jackpots are in the hundreds of millions, the reality is that a $10 million grand prize is enough to be in that life-changing psychological category at which people can, can have fun, hoping, dreaming. And, and in, in this case, even if they don't win that jackpot, they're not losing money. They're actually still still making money as they go, and so that's the idea.
0: And is this a new model in banking?
1: It is in the U.S. Um, a lot of other countries have done this pretty successfully, the U.K. especially. Uh, it's typically been run by governments, but it is new to the U.S.
0: And why Why? Why do you think it's new to the U.S.?
1: So it was a legal gray area for, for many mm-hmm. years, um, just the way gambling laws had been written. Until 2015, this idea of getting people um, – uh, prize-linked savings, it's called. So savings tied to tied to prizes uh, would have kind of possibly fallen into uh, gambling laws uh, as being considered gambling. Um, in 2015, there was actually an act passed at the federal level that um, more explicitly legalized this concept as a carve-out from gambling laws. It's a little more nuanced than that, but that's basically what happened and the reason they did that was because of all the evidence from from other programs overseas and even some pilot programs in the US that this is this is far from gambling it's it's actually you know good for people and so they wanted to you know incentivize uh this product in the US
0: and 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 what's your story where did you come up with this idea
1: yeah so my story i've always been a huge kind of behavioral psychology nut and um very into personal finance and um, uh, I forget how many years ago now, but a friend of mine who, who actually is in the UK was telling me about the, the premium bond program, which is basically what I mentioned, a government-run prize savings program in the UK that's been around for 60 years, and it's the number one savings vehicle in the whole country. And so I was familiar with the lottery stats in the U.S. and how people struggle to save. And I thought, you know, being a behavioral psychology, um, being very into behavioral psychology, I thought it was a very, very interesting thing. And I just started looking into why this this isn't in the U.S. And that led me to stumble upon the, the legislation and some other things. But that's basically how I got into it.
0: And um, what's it like having started to challenge your bank?
1: Um, it is a lot of fun and also, uh, difficult, uh, you deal with a lot of, um, regulatory stuff, obviously you're, you're handling people's money. So you have to be very compliant and secure from that perspective. Um, but I also think it's a, it's a big opportunity. I mean, the Neo banking space, uh, digital banking space is very competitive, but it's also very new. And, um, the big four or five banks in the country still dominate with over half of consumer deposits. Um, and so those, those companies are often pretty, pretty backward in my opinion, from a UI perspective. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity to build, um, like mobile first clean UI type products, uh, for, for the younger generations. And so there's a lot of opportunity. It's very competitive and, and it's obviously difficult, but, but a lot of fun.
0: And, um, link savings, I guess is a differentiator for you guys, isn't it?
1: Yep. Yep. That would be the, the, the main differentiator Mm -hmm. um, is the prize link savings account. We also um, we launched a debit card where instead of giving people cash back um, you get the chance to get whatever you buy for free. Also trying to take advantage of the psychology here where most debit cards don't even give you cash back. So people are generally getting a bad deal out of that because banks are making money on, on, on debit spend. And so um and the reality is a lot of people don't really care they like, oh, you know one percent cash back on a debit card which is high for a debit card um you know okay i buy something at 500 bucks i get five bucks it doesn't really move the needle but if every time you buy something you have a one percent chance to get it for free it kind of plays into that same psychology where now it's like okay i'll use this card and i'll get good good economic value because i'll get one out of every hundred things for free so i'm actually getting that cash back benefit that i wasn't getting before
0: and who who are yada's um user base like do you have a way to to describe them um, psychographically yeah. yeah
1: yeah, so high level it's it definitely skews younger like twenty to thirty five the majority mm-hmm. of users um, so millennial gen z uh typically lower to moderate income um this is something that kind of helps them build that savings habit. a lot of these people are coming from. Uh, big brick and mortar banks that are basically paying zero on savings, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, that's that's our primary that's our primary demo.
0: And do you think this is um, uh, uh, defensible in the sense? Like, do you see competitors out there also getting into the space, or I guess how how do you stay differentiated in in the PrizeLink Savings if if other companies could theoretically do it?
1: Yeah, so we've already seen some companies straight up copy copy us, um, which we expected. Um, mm-hmm. If we were successful, people would would copy the model. So there's been other prize link savings companies pop up. I expect some of the more tech-savvy, product-focused banks might also layer this on. Uh, for us, we're really trying to create a very... Um, social experience with it as well, which is kind of unique from a banking perspective, since most most times you don't want your bank to be social. But for us, we want to create, we want Yada to be analogous to the lottery and that it's more fun when you and your friends are on it because you're all part of the same game and it's harder to, to move to someone else because you and your friends are on Yada sharing tickets, winning prizes together, looking forward to the nightly number drawings. Maybe you have a group text where you where you talk about your winnings um, midweek. And, um, so we, we have a game mechanic built on top of the the prize and savings that is very social in nature. And so if someone copies us and and someone's on us with their friends, it's, it's obviously tougher to, to, to move off of us if you are participating in a group. And so we're pretty focused on that.
0: Do you see any viral, um, activity in terms of people bringing in their, their friends and family?
1: Definitely. So that's our biggest acquisition channel is referrals. Mm-hmm. And we have, a, we have a program where you get more tickets into the into the sweepstakes if you uh, refer friends. Um, but also we see like a natural um, referral mechanic. For example, with the debit card, if you win something for free, you're pretty likely to tell your friends about it. If you're at a restaurant and you're with five friends and you get your meal for free or you pay for everybody and you get the whole thing for free, it's kind of a natural viral mechanic because everyone finds out about you is you talk about it. Whereas if you get five bucks cash back, you're not telling people about it. Um, similarly, if you win a big prize with us one week, you're, you're pretty likely to refer friends. And as I mentioned, there's that pool play feature where you can actually share tickets with your friends and win together, which, um, can get you to want want to get your friends on board so you can have fun together.
0: What are some of the other acquisition channels that you use Adam?
1: So Reddit has actually been a, a pretty good source for us. Um,
0: interesting, pa- uh, Paid?
1: No, not paid. Um, we, did, we did this thing, uh, there's this Ask Me Anything subreddit. Mm-hmm. And we've done two of these now where, where we go on there for, for a day and we answer questions and, and solicit questions from people. And that drove a lot of signups. Um, I think an interesting, maybe undertapped thing that other consumer companies could try. Um, we do a lot of social media. Some paid social, but not that much paid. Um, We do uh, some YouTube partnerships. We partnered with people on YouTube that have audiences that might be interested. Um, And you, the YouTube angle, influencer type
0: relationships.
1: Yep, yep, influencers, and from there we see people organically creating content, but influencers drive the drive the bulk of the YouTube stuff.
0: We talked a little bit. about competition and maybe some copycats out there. Um, I'm curious on your perspective, also. Like, you know, uh, I don't know, eighteen months ago, we started covering a lot of like the, the the foreign challenger banks, the big ones, the N26s and the Revoluts coming to the U.S. and not really finding success there. Um, can you comment, I guess, on the the challenge? I guess a uh, uh, a global or at least an international bank would have coming and competing in the U.S. market.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be I would be speculating a little bit here just because yeah. I don't know the ins and outs, but um, I guess I would imagine one like the, the the brand recognition. I mean, it's tough for any startup and it's a tough problem when when, a, when a someone international comes here, um, if they're not as well known as, as U.S. companies. But but that's really a challenge that all um, newcomers had. Like we had that challenge. We still have that challenge where people mm-hmm. don't know about us and so they don't trust us as much. Um, there's also, there's, there's always the issue whenever companies spread themselves to wider and that there's different regulatory environment, there's just a lot of, of new overhead and maybe different product and UX that people expect here. That's different from, from overseas. And so you have to manage, um, one product or multiple types of demographics, right? Maybe people in, in Europe prefer something in the U S another, and you're not gonna, if you're a Revolut or a you're not going to build two different experiences probably, for, for countries. And so you have to, it, it's, it's often tough to build something that is universally loved, but it's easier to build something that is loved for a more targeted demo. So that, that might be the big challenge, but again, I'm, I'm speculating.
0: Yeah, I get that. And, and I guess asking the question differently, do you have aspirations? I know it's early, but of going international?
1: Eventually, but it's not, it's not on the near term roadmap at all. I mean, we're still, Pretty new in the U.S. and have a lot of room to penetrate here. Uh, you know, fifty percent of the population—actually, a lot more than that—is still banking with big brick-and-mortar banks, mm-hmm. and I think the shift—the shift to digital banks—is still in the early days. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of, um, as I mentioned, regulatory, and for a startup, primarily the regulatory is the is the toughest hurdle totally. uh, to, to going overseas.
0: And at least even domestically, I know one of the biggest challenges um as hard as it is to get new customers to open bank accounts it's it's hard also to get them to use it as their primary bank account and i and I feel like the lever of the prize link savings gives them an incentive to to use the account to be more active in the account.
1: Yes, definitely. we see um a lot of engagement due to the game mechanic um I would say one challenge is that we face and still face is that. Because of the game mechanic, some people, it's it's a very new experience for people. They come from a very buttoned up banking experience. And with us, there's this gamification element, which can make people a little bit nervous or not as trust. It doesn't feel as trustworthy because it feels mm-hmm. more like a game. Mm-hmm. And so it can take some time for people to get comfortable with us and that that sort of new, new interface that they're not used to, right? If if this is more game feeling, then it feels, yeah, it feels less trustworthy. And so, so It's it, like trying fun.
0: to trying to find that right place between being gamey. You want to be gamey because that's the mechanic, but not too gamey. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what about uh, rolling out new new products and services? It, it sounds like from the way you described it, you know you you have all you have the bells and whistles or the table stakes at least. Let's say.
1: Yeah. So we have been very focused on getting the table stakes. I would say you uh, will be launched. Launched a little bit over a year ago, and it was a very, very basic product back then. Like no one could really use it as a primary bank, given the feature set. And so, over the past probably six six months, we've rolled out remote deposit capture, debit cards, more flexible um, spending limits, and settlement times, and things that, that people need from a primary bank. Um, so we just launched launched the debit card. And a big reason why we need all this stuff is, as you said, it, becoming a primary bank is a, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so we're very focused on on continuing that and um, still working on fully launching the debit card and we're mm-hmm. working on a secured credit card and some credit building type tools. And so in the long run, we really want to do um, whatever we can to help people with their personal financial lives. And a big thing right now is uh, building credit, so we kind of want to get into that that space for sure.
0: That makes sense, particularly with the game mechanic. Yeah. Um, what kind of partners are you working with, like on the debit card and the partner bank?
1: We work with Synapse. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with them. Sure. Um, they're a banking as a service provider, mm-hmm. and they're our, they're they're our primary partner. We uh, we launched the debit card with them. We uh, have the savings accounts and and checking accounts through them. And the uh, the bank behind them is, uh, at least for us, is Evolve Bank and Trust.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, I, I wanted to go back to uh, also the competition piece. H- have I'm sure you've thought, uh, is, do you have an intention or a, a view into, uh, we've seen this with other challenger banks, like start B2C and then go B2B after they kind of prove the model a bit. Um, how, how do you think about B2B?
1: We have not really thought about B two B much at all yet, um, at least as far as far as a plan A. Uh, we've actually seen a, a prize savings uh, competitor go that route where they started B B2, two B two C and now they license their mm-hmm. their gamification to to banks. Um, we feel like there's a lot a lot more um, opportunity if we can execute well to build a big business as a as a B two C company in terms of. Um, you know, controlling the whole user experience, um, getting the the margin from the products we offer and things like that. So that's really plan A. I think to, to focus on B2B or to do any sort of um, licensing right now would be too big of a, a distraction. Um, yeah, it's a totally but, different business, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: Um, the remaining time we have, like, biggest challenge, biggest opportunity you have looking at the, you know, The end of this year and into 2022 i can't believe we're there already but um like what what do you have on your plate what gets you pumped
1: yeah i mean the biggest challenge is to to and we talked about a little bit to get people to use this as as a primary bank and Mm -hmm. overcome the the oh this is too gamey or um this is new and so how do i how do i trust it so we're still building trust in terms of uh, any anything from PR to reviews to testimonials to good ex- to having good experience with our current users um, so people trust us. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, and I, one of the biggest challenges that uh, doesn't necessarily get me pumped, but that we're facing is um, fraud. Fraud has been a big problem in the industry. And so the issue there is you, um, you want to become someone's primary bank. And so you want them to be able to do all the things they can do at their primary bank. Um, but as a startup, to offer all those services without a fraud team of hundreds, thousands of people um, <laughs> definitely exposes yourself to bad actors. And so it's that it, it's, it's slowed us down because we have to focus on rolling out products and then making sure that we're putting in the proper controls that prevent bad actors from taking advantage of it. And so we're still, we're still constantly working on that, 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 and I think it's been a huge challenge in the industry, especially with COVID and, just people, a lot of people in, in more tough financial times, they turn to to fraud. And so the whole industry is, is facing a lot of that. Um, and so that, that is a big one for us because, uh, to become a primary bank, we need to have let people have a, a good experience and to have a good experience. We need to, um, have, have, have controls that make sense for for people to be, to be flexible. But when you're flexible, you're more, you're more targeted. So, That that's a big challenge that is an interesting one. I don't get pumped about it because it really uh, bothers me that when when fraudsters, you know, Mm -hmm. try stuff, but it's definitely a challenge.
0: Hear that and I appreciate that. And I I think it's it's probably an underappreciated aspect of of trying to grow businesses like Yada. Adam, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheep Podcast today.
1: Yep. Thanks so much, Zach.